Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast this month, brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. I think Manscaped might have met their match with the Santa Claus, I'm not going to lie, but we'll have to have that conversation later on in the show. Uh, Manscaped. <laughs> Scott Scott Calvin's never-ending, <laughs> rapidly growing magical hellbeard. <laughs> Versus the power of the lawnmower, that's a that is a duel I would watch. I would watch that. Now, you can use the you know you can use that lawnmower three wherever you might find. But now we would suggest using it on your uh, huevos. Uh, I personally use it; it's wonderful. It's, it does a very good job cleaning up all that area. But they've also got some other great products. I like the uh, the weed whacker, the nose trimmers. Those are really good for those of you that, uh, as Griffey has stated, don't want to be barbarians and pull your nose hairs out. Um, What's with the yanking of the hairs, guys? We're better than this. It's uh, 2020. The ball, the ball toner is. Uh, I actually used the ball toner finally. I still don't know what it's supposed to do, but it smells good. Um, <laughs> your, your balls just look like they belong on Baywatch now. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, apparently they're just Hasselhoffed out and ready to go. Uh, the ball deodorant. That's a must, guys. I've been on this for a while. Manscapes is amazing. If you don't ball deodorize, you are uh, missing a crucial step in hygiene. Agreed. That you need to take care of, guys. We're about to dive into just an absolute bit of cinematic bedlam and anarchy. <laughs> and if there's one thing that this movie's taught me is that when you're a divorced father who's probably just trying to pick up all your coworkers on the side, you got to be groomed. Yes. And I think Scott Calvin's face is a direct punishment for probably how groomed he was. And I would argue that his life was better before his son wished him into this hellscape of a film. Agreed. So, guys. This Christmas, don't have your kid wishing that you are subjugated into Yuletide slavery. Uh, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Uh, use code FILM at checkout so that they know that we sent you 20% off free shipping. A late gift will still be cherished and appreciated by your friends and family. Also, hot tip, grab yourself a pair of underwear. Key. The underwear are game changing. The underwear are worth murdering a childhood hero for. <laughs> Onto the show! <laughs> Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love. Break them apart to find out what gives them their magic, Christmas magic, <laughs> oh, Santa yes. murder magic, Yuletide slavery magic. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys, before we dive in, a little business. I know it's Christmas, but us poor podcasters, we got to shill even on holidays. Uh, so if you're here with us, thank you. We appreciate that. Hopefully you got all your friends and family film alchemist uh, podcast t-shirts from our T public account. You can find that on all of our social media. It's linked there. Uh, please take a second and leave a rating and review wherever you're listening to us, especially if that happens to be Apple podcast app. Quick five stars, quick couple sentences about why we're so delightful. You wouldn't push us off a roof. Uh, it means the world to us. It helps us out a lot more than you think. Quick, easy way. A little gift for the show, guys. Thank you. Make sure to go to YouTube. Subscribe to our channel film alchemist some projects we're working on uh coming up in 2020 uh you can find video versions of this podcast make sure you get over there 
Follow us on all the social media you're on. We're there, too, and we love to communicate with you guys. Thank you so much. You can also email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, with your ideas for movies you'd like to hear covered, double features, themes, guest hosts, uh, which we're going to try to ramp up a lot this year. So get in now, man. Let us know what you guys want to hear, because that's really what we'd love to give you. So um, this December has been no different. We are stuffing your stockings. We've done a bunch of listener pick movies, but this one's for us. It's a Christmas miracle of a film. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> well, baffling. I'd say Christmas nightmare, in fact, actually. This is nothing short of a Hollywood Christmas miracle. Don't you dare fool yourselves. Um, this one we selected is our gift to you guys. Uh, a Christmas Day podcast extravaganza special. The Santa Claus with an E at the end because nothing revs the children up. Quite like litigation. Uh, like, yeah. Legal. Nothing <laughs> like legal jargon to get the kids in, the, in their butts in the seats. Yeah. Litigious puns are really what the holiday season's about. Um, I remember as a boy, the only thing that possibly revved me up as much as litigious puns. Uh, trade Federation route disputes. Those two things. Just, mm. Oh, ooh. God. Yeah. Oh, the like, vapors. Ooh, Those ooh. two things and Jessica Rabbit. That's how you revved me up as a boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. The Santa Claus is a Christmas movie of sorts. It's maybe one of the scariest Christmas movies ever. I think short of It's a Wonderful Life, it is the most terrifying Christmas movie. They're similar watched. in their horror, right? They they're, are. they're similar in their horror. Um, casting Tim Allen was something that just happened in the 90s. Yeah. Just an absolute baffling but kind of perfect actor for this movie. Um, the staggering implications and the world building of the <laughs> the Santa Clauses in this film. It's pretty shocking. I don't what what, what I don't want to do is sit here and go through scene by scene this movie because I don't think that does any of us. No, anything. no, that's not it at Instead, all. Instead, I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look at what this movie is telling us about yes the fucking i think it's a really important thing world. like going scene by scene in this movie is pretty useless what I, and you're right <laughs> it's it's not really what the movie's about the important thing is about the implications of what this world says about the nature of santa claus himself mm -hmm. it's utterly terrifying on multiple levels but this is what makes it a Christmas miracle to me because the fact that this film exists in the form that we get it is actually pretty insane. They released this movie as a feel-good family comedy. I remember my family making the jaunt through the snow mm -hmm. to go see this movie, right? Or at least I remember it being snowy. Maybe I lied to myself, <laughs> as every character in this film does. Um they marketed this as a feel-good family Christmas movie. What this movie is, is an absolute horrific piece of shit father, right? <laughs> Who is just selling toys, making his child wait out in the cold, right? So before he gets home, because he's at a Christmas party making casual secretary fucking jokes. Right. He gets home. He has his son somehow on Christmas Eve because his other shitty parents who have custody need to... Go fuck? to his old parents' house and spend the night. Like it's a ruse. They're take going all home that to fuck. Aside, right? That's what it's about. They're going home to fucking make an anchor baby. Yeah, Scott Calvin has shown that from the moment his son arrives, right, his son does not want to be there, and who blames him? Because what proceeds for the next fifteen minutes until we see Santa Claus 
is him just being absolutely <laughs> horrified that he has to try to be a dad and entertain a child on Christmas Eve. It it all culminates in what is one of the strangest scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Um, Denny's. And oh I don't God. know how much Denny's got paid, but it's not worth the kind of publicity <laughs> this is. Yeah. Because what this what? movie states is that Denny's is a way station. It is the waiting room to hell it is for divorced fathers. It is the purgatory <laughs> for divorced fathers. Like, it's the saddest, <laughs> most depressing thing I've ever seen in a movie. They walk this guy back there and there are literally like five other dads the first thing you see is you see a father and son sitting there like sharing like a single cupcake or something like that you're like oh boy also there's like real candles on the tables so you know it's the 90s because nobody gave a shit about fire safety then they would have burnt down that denny's anyways (laughs) yeah i was gonna say let's be fair every father in that denny's would have ran directly into the inferno (laughs) They were all so miserable. <laughs> and he's just looking around, kind of casually talking to the other the other denizens of this hellscape. He's like, ah, burn the turkey. Like, yeah, like a dad is the, so fucking dumb. The guy's hand is burnt. I love to. We got our first red flags about Tim Allen's future self. Right. When he's like, Denny's is an American institution. And then hard cuts to just Asian guys needing a meal. And somehow that's like, uh, this isn't right. I was like, yeah. what is happening? I was like, wait, what? first off, these are, are you telling me there are a bunch of Asian businessmen who come to America and they're like, well, we don't speak English, so we might as well go to Denny's. Bullshit. It's and the it's, only thing open. It's just nonsense. I like to think they're the same guys that were in the, uh, the fucking strip club from Showgirls. <laughs> <laughs> and they just come to America to just see puss and eat <laughs> moons over Miami. <laughs> let's cut all right so what we get is the worst dad his kid fucking hates him and that's considering that his his mom and uh neil the psychologist who has the doctor uh complex yeah they fucking suck a lot and that seems like the worst place to be a child ever right because all they do is tell you to not have childlike joy and imagination with all that said, he still doesn't want to be at his father's for even 24 hours. So this tells you where we're at. Right. The thing. Okay. So now we're going to get into the what this movie says about Santa Claus. Right. The thing I hate the absolute most about this film. And I wouldn't even say I hate this film because I am stunned by it. I watched it in slack jawed awe. <laughs> I look like a Steven Spielberg character seeing yeah. a fucking dinosaur for the first time. Yeah. It's like, how did this occur? All of us. All of us are Laura Dern watching this movie. If you're an yes. adult, you should be watching this movie like Laura Dern seeing her first brontosaurus. But but let's be clear on what this movie. So this movie, Santa Claus, is a perpetual murder victim. Yes. Who I'm assuming is a horrendous father. And through dark old magic, a child can wish for their father to disappear. He then <laughs> murders another shitty father, releasing him <laughs> from his bondage, only to become a man whose entire body and life is stripped from them Yes, to serve children en masse since they failed their own child. The right? concept of Santa Claus in this movie is a slave to children Yes, as but a penalty. The movie, and I don't even mind that as a setup, right? If you're doing like a Christmas No, that workout. makes sense. <laughs> what I hate about this movie, what I fucking hate about this movie, and it makes me so mad, 
is that this movie, I mean, this shit was white privilege back before I had even heard the phrase white privilege because I was a boy. Think about what this movie's saying is that if you were the shittiest father of all time, right? Right. And Santa Claus dies in your yard because your child wishes you into slavery, that you somehow get to then become an amazing dad. By the end of the movie, his son, who's probably reveling in the game he's played, right? He he gets his dad under control and by proxy gets to crush Pinhead Neil and his horrible mother. Right. So maybe there's an element of that we'll get to. But what this movie's saying is that if you were the shittiest fucking parent of all time, you will become the best dad and your kid will love you and all children will love you because you learned and did nothing and didn't earn this at all. That is the fucking craziest part of this movie. It's There is no point until everything in his life is stripped from him. That then he's like, all right. And by the end, he's just like a fucking rabies-infested old yeller. He's like, yeah, it's the truest, most part. terrifying Stockholm Syndrome of all. Like That's probably the best part about the movie is that as things get more Santa Clausy. Scott Calvin, in the middle of the movie, like, besides all the, like, Yuletide gags and all that kind of shit, him getting fat, getting a beard, all kinds of stuff, in the middle of this movie, there's this huge custody battle. Like, this movie becomes Kramer versus Kramer for, like, a full 20 minutes. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God. Like, the, the scene where he's literally running into the judge's office, like, I want to talk to Charlie. I'm like you're going to really show up at the judge's office like full Chris Kringle and be like, Hey, I doesn't I'm not, have a choice. I'm not trying to do, I'm, I'm not trying to dupe my kid, but this is the, that's the thing that's crazy, right? So not only does he not earn this and he doesn't deserve for his son to love him, right? That bothers me. If you look at it on a slightly deeper level than that, right? You could argue that that's not Scott Calvin at the end that he truly has been, taken over in this lycanthropy style transformation. Oh, absolutely. Into this Santa Claus. In the scene I would point to, right? There's there's two scenes that struck me as very strange on this path, right? One is when he's walking around and all of a sudden he starts dressing in Christmas shit. Yeah. Right? He dresses like a fat old sex offender in Christmas colors. <laughs> yes. And he's walking down the street. Naughty. Nice. It's just subliminally he can't help it. Right. In a moment of Scott Calvin comes out, right? Another clue as to who this man is, a woman walks by him and he just stops and audibly says, mm, mm, very nice. Very nice. And she, I think she refrains, in your dreams, Doughboy or something. Yeah, like something. And he, uh, or yeah. whatever he did on Tool Time. He but I was like, tool time in thing. that moment, that tells you everything you need to know. Scott Calvin woke up, put on clothes, decided to walk around and judge ch the children of the world. And for one second, in a being John Malkovich power struggle... <laughs> Scott Calvin's able to come out to sexually harass one lady. Listen. And you see the crumbling. But this is the thing. When she says that to him, the crumbling realization is not, oh, God, she's right. I'm overweight. It's, oh, my God, I will never be able to harass women again. It's over. <laughs> you see the, the fucking I mean, flesh prison that he is. Again, this in. is the thing that this is the thing that makes this movie truly one of my favorite <laughs> horror films is that it's my second next to the fly. My second favorite body horror movie. <laughs> the fact that we actually didn't do this during the body horror month is pretty embarrassing to me, but we saved it for a good time. I think that's right. This is right. truly one of the most terrifying things as Scott Calvin is slowly enveloped by this Santa Claus persona. Like, mm. cause you're right. 
there is that moment and then finally like at the very end when he's uh busted by the cops and sitting in like the uh sitting in the tank he can't even admit that he, that's his that scott calvin is his name he's- okay so you hit it exactly where i was going the interrogation scene yeah is so fucking horrifying it's terrifying it's it, it makes it's me absolutely sad. staggering right so he's sitting there and the cop just you can tell this has been happening for a while he's sitting there he looks like a stepford wife right just that big smile. Papa Noel. Hey, hey. Just saying very, Cinto clothes, right? Right. You know? And it is the way he says it. And then at the end, there's a great acting choice by Tim Allen. I can't believe I said that sentence out loud. <laughs> he goes and does like a gaspy fat man's chuckle and laughs. And while it looks like a laugh and he looks like a fucking cartoon given form, right? To me... On the inside, beneath the fucking blubbery prison that he inhabits, is Scott Calvin weeping. Oh yeah, in absolute agony. This is the this is the Brundle fly scene. This is the kill me, kill me. This is what it is. <laughs> fucking kill me, <laughs> Scott Calvin. Scott Calvin really just wanted them to tensile his fucking head. Up. <laughs> <laughs> he said. Ah! <laughs> And then at the end, he, he's like the werewolf in uh, <laughs> Monster Squad. He's like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. With his last gasping breath as the milk and cookies escape <laughs> his slit wound. It's it's unbelievable. Um, It's terrifying. Here's a, Let's look at another element. The elves in this movie, right? Right. Um, They're really extra scary, too, because I don't know if you thought about this, but... When he showed up to the North Pole and it's all subterranean, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, the hell imagery is just like you're not even masking yeah. the hell symbolism. No, no. We're full. Not only hell. that, he seemingly can't help himself but sexually harass Judy, who has to let him know she has a boyfriend. Yeah. I also watched this, and I think all of those elves are also children who are in hell. I think all of those elves were murdered by their parents. Or died of neglect from their parents, and now they're forced to work in this purgatory. Because when they come back, right? So imagine this. Santa goes out delivering, right? Comes back. There's just another skinny guy wearing Santa's clothing. So he stripped the corpse, right? That somehow evaporates, right? (laughs) When he shows up, not one elf blinks an eye or acts sad that the previous Santa's gone No one says a thing. It is Business as usual. The weirdest thing about the whole bit is that everyone's like, oh, cool, new Santa. All right, great. We'll just keep working. Doesn't really matter. Like, I mean, I think that's the thing is the whole concept of Santa Claus and the elves itself is much more about the middle management of the elf union with Bernard, who clearly is like the Jimmy Hoffa (laughs) of the whole thing. Um, Yeah, but not even that, right? It's terrifying. When they start singing and all the elves turn and sing in unison. Yeah. This is a co- a course of ghostly murdered, neglected children turning oh, around to now let this guy know that he has entered hell. See, here's- that's what that scene is. And also, what we know for a fact is that Bernard has definitely murdered a Santa or two, before. at least two, for at sure. Least- <laughs> Here's like, why. There's no way but he here, has not murdered. This a is my other. There are two things that this scene reveals to me. One, I actually am going to push back a little bit. I do not think that they are uh, neglected, murdered children. I actually think they are children they are. 
who were on the naughty list and then were murdered. And that's their penance. Yep. Maybe because they they all I feel like they're in on it and have to they get to help tempt Santa, right? Like here's a weird thing. So Scott begins to have this mental break, right? Is he the first Santa that legitimately thought because every Santa, what we learn, uh, the first day on the job involves murder of right. the previous Santa. So for a long time, right, thousands of years perhaps, someone has been murdered and then replaces said victim, right? right, right. And they are now Papa Noel. Is Scott Calvin, am I to believe he's the first Santa Claus that decided I need to death proof myself. This movie has a final destination montage. Do you notice of him how trying to defeat nobody? Death. He asks it every single scene when he's fully Santa. Like, how do I how do I avoid falling off roof? No one answers his question. Do you know why they don't answer his question? Because it's going because to because you can't avoid falling. Because here's the thing. So I'm led to believe it's going right? to so Scott Calvin somehow when he takes over, he just finishes the route right like he just finishes delivering for the rest of the night um what we see though children see him uh dogs attack him people pull shotguns so this happens all the time there is no kind of invisibility spell for santa claus right he's out there in the world i am to believe that santa is like some fucking golfer on the senior pga tour and the moment some guy says hey he slips He's just and startled falls to his and death. falls and dies. One minute later, we see a magical ladder appear and a fucking boy, a child with baby kid shoes, climbs the ladder and scales that roof like it's nothing. That was the gatekeepers of hell shuffling that Santa shuffling out that of his mortal coil. Yeah, and choosing Scott, because this is the scene when he falls and he's in the snow, the hand wave. Right. That's the Brundlefly, thank you. That Santa is stoked he got murdered that way. <laughs> All right. Here's this is another thing though, and this is uh th this goes back to the, my issues with Bernard. I actually yeah. believe that Bernard created the Santa Claus itself. Oh, okay. Walk me through this. This okay. is the kind of shit I like. So yes. here's my theory is that long ago when Bernard started running the workshop union and he almost like he had a couple of like Jimmy Hoffas and finally had to like be like, I don't know what we're going to do. At least once they were caught without a Santa, like mid in the middle of the night, they were caught without a Santa and that magic was not around. So at one point, Bernard himself had to actually deliver. He's like, I don't want to fucking do this ever again. So what he did was to guarantee that he would never have to like show up in the middle of the night, deliver all the presents, do all the actual legwork again he created the Santa Claus itself so that any unwilling participant who put on the, just like as a joke, like, oh, I killed Santa. Look at me. I'm wearing his clothes. That person would be doomed to become but, Santa Claus himself. Okay. I got to break this down a couple because I'm with you like this far, right? Perhaps Bernard is the first. What if this is like a Cain and Abel scenario, right? <laughs> Bernard came down to somewhere in the Already woods. I love this. Papa's going to eat me or I'm going to eat Papa. He eats Papa. All of a sudden, a dark spirit of the forest. Because this is classic fairy tale, Grimm's fairy tale. Totally. Logic, right? Absolutely. This is very if you dramatic. you have a magic spell, right? Yeah. There have to be some kind of binding rules and stipulations. So creating something as simple as here is a card. If you touch it and then 
you're, you're the Santa Claus, right? Because Scott Calvin just putting on the clothes. Like, this is a segment of the movie that we, we kind of brush by. Scott Calvin and by proxy Tim Allen. I could not imagine a worse actor for this role. <laughs> Except for the one thing that Tim Allen brings to this movie is he's a character who does not accept the world that he's a part of, right? Right, right. And that works if you look at this as a hell metaphor. So he sees Santa fall off his roof, die. He sees reindeers. He sees a magic uh, fucking ladder. He gets in the sleigh. It goes. He floats down chimneys. All of this happens. And by the time he even gets to the North Pole, he has yet to show joy, wonder, shock, uh, questioning his reality short of the way you would question a delivery guy like stuffing something in your mailbox like oh really rick this is how oh, okay right i'm a snarky dad right, right. <laughs> like, that's how he is he refuses to accept the enormity of what has just happened to him this is this is the kind of thing of jesus actually coming down from the heavens and talking to you this is an earth-shattering revelation this has humanity breaking consequences right and he never fucking gives a shit at all no right so now get back to this. So Bernard has set up this. He killed his father. He now becomes Bernard almost becomes the 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 guardian uh demon now, right? Of all of these lost soul children. And he can continually perpetually fucking harm these fathers for all time, right? He has the magic globe so he can see his little puppet. Sure. We sure. have the naughty nice list so mm-hmm. he can start to keep track of who's a good kid I'm with, with you a bad on that, father. okay. These are all the kind of man because this. So as the elves are helping him death proof himself, right? Right, right. They never stop to tell him that the moment they decide he's done, he's done. Right. Because the final cruel trick of being the Santa Claus is the white privilege of it, right? They weaponize the white privilege. You get to be a good dad, even though you're a sack of shit who learns nothing in the entire movie, right? <laughs> Once you have nothing left, you've been fired from for being obese. And not wanting to rip off children, right? Uh, the women you sexually harass can no longer be fooled back to your condo. You've lost custody. Right. In a baffling but easy to make legal precedent. <laughs> right? So you have nothing <laughs> left. And then you go, maybe I'll double down on the magic, the earth shattering. So anyways, all that. Great. You think you've got it made. Charlie wants to spend Christmas with you instead of your mom. You get a flight. Don't go over any ocean. She's still being a douche at the end of the movie. She also does not accept the wonder after she gets her board game, you greedy asshole. Yeah, you fucking man. So all of this happens, right? And what's going to happen to some point is Scott Calvin's going to think, wow, my new life is better. My son loves me. Ah! And he's going to fall off a roof and be killed and replaced by another shitty probably rich white dad. <laughs> it's just how this movie's going to end. And the elves not telling him that makes them complicit in the torture and destruction of the Citadel. Well, that's what I'm Calvin. saying. That's why I believe that. That's why I firmly believe that Bernard is the creator of the Santa Claus itself. Well, he also cracks the whip about the coffee break. Yeah. Right. Um, I can't remember what it is, how he actually says it, right? Which is, um, what does he say? He's like, uh, when a Santa Claus dies by design or... So he, he leaves this extra thing, right? Natural causes or design. 
which lets you know, oh, he's had to murder a yeah, Santa Yeah, he's clock. definitely had to murder a Santa. There is a Santa that when Thanksgiving came was like, fuck you, you're not taking me alive. And Bernard's like, that's the way right, I like to that's do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> you played right into my game, fat man. Any old guy can just learn how to do this overnight. Scott Calvin just finishes Santa's work in one night. Like, it's fine. It. So there's no training required. It's the torture and humiliation that is the game. Here's a weird scene. Who's doing the Punch and Judy doll in Santa's bedroom? Oh, that's just That's ma- an old-timey fucking thing that no one's liked since the Black Plague. Yet somewhere when they're like, this is where Santa and his son are about to sleep. Continue performing a Punch and Judy doll? No. I think those are elf spirits who have been demoted. Oh, that could be another a sublevel. I of really health. think Bernard is like the Bernard's the terrifying Krampus of the whole thing. Like he is absolutely. Well, he just keeps showing up at their house. Yeah, he randomly pops up, tells everybody the rules, and then spirits himself away. Like he is definitely like the dark forces, the Black Philip forces inside Bernard are terrifying to say the least. But when he That's explains right. the rules, yeah, like by natural causes or design. By design. Design. So, if someone so wants, if somebody wrote that in a dead. script, and you're reading through it, and like, I'd, I'd stop them. Like, guys, this is a kids' movie. If you write death by design for Santa Claus, yeah. Twenty years later, you're gonna have like two fat assholes on a podcast bitching about how fucking David Crumholtz is the designer of Santa Claus's death. Like, how dare you? What you're going to have is Charlie. Saying now's now, oh my it's god, gonna be my time oh my in god. murdering his father. Can we please talk about this for a second? This has like always yes. been the thing that I have always hung my hat on when it comes to this movie. Is like Charlie at the end of this fucking movie literally says, "I am going to kill my father and take his place atop the throne." He basically yeah. decides he's going to like he sort of just sort of like it's very methodical and terrifying because also you realize there were two sequels after this movie i'm like we could have gotten the fourth one where charlie actually ended up murdering him and i think if you stop this one and just turn on fat man that this is a perfect double feature (laughs) walton goggins is grown-up charlie he's going for blood and he's trying to take the throne right um but that that that's the thing though right it's 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 insane i mean maybe it's charlie's like Maybe I'll kill him next year since all he gave me was a soccer ball. Yeah, soccer <laughs> The ball. worst fucking gift ever. But let's get back to the elves one more minute because there, there's something that makes Bernard truly a terrifying force. Bernard could choose to destabilize governments. They ha- So they have technology that is far superior to any military technology we have, right? Totally. They have, by the movie's own admission... They have an elf assassin squad. Yeah, they and have... you can say they don't assassinate things, but that's what that tinsel's for. Yeah, how about that tinsel that literally breaks through steel? Yes, they have for sure destabilized governments. Let me walk you through what happens in this movie for one second. For those of you who maybe didn't see it in the same light as us, Scott Calvin is legally ordered to not come near a child, which. He I mean, it's a weird legal precedent to set that believing in Santa and trying to make a kid happy is bad for him. But when you see Scott Calvin, you're like, yeah, I don't think anyone should be around him. So no. weird. That's the law. That is that a is court the of court the United ordered States of suspension America. suspension of his visitation rights, which yes. he violates almost immediately yes. and kidnaps his son. 
by kidnapping, crossing borders, state lines, international international lines, right? borders. Yes, all of this happens, right? When they finally come back, the cops arrest a child endangering kidnapper <laughs> who's dressed as Santa Claus, right? Whether that's his job or not, he has kidnapped yes, a child. He is a kidnapper against and violating a court order. He didn't go through the appeals and prove he's no. Santa. He didn't miracle on 34th Street. He just said, no, no. I'm going to take this right now. So, okay, so this is a legally binding contract in the United States of America. What does Bernard and the elves decide to do? We are going to thwart the duly the due chosen process and of the law. <laughs> yeah. And they send mockingly our own tie hit squad. up. They tie up a sad ginger cop who's reading a dime store romance novel. They tie him up, laugh in his fucking face. They say to the cop, who seemingly is like, you're the kid. I can save a kid. They say, we're your worst nightmares. Maybe they kill him on the way out. We just didn't see that scene. They bust Santa out, come back to the house. This is the thing. They give him his getaway view. The scene that really startled me, and I never noticed this before. So the elf assassin squad and the flouting of our government's laws and constitution. <laughs> when there are an enormous amount of people in this movie who see the physical manifestation of Santa Claus. So now they know he's real. They're announcing the presence of Santa Claus in the game of hell they're playing, right? This is like the Cuban Hellraiser. All of these people are going to know that he just fucking told the cops to fuck off, right? So that sets up a showdown eventually. There's a scene when all the looky-loos, right? Parents and their kids come out to see, I don't know, Santa get murdered at the fucking terrible psychiatrist's <laughs> house. Whatever they would leave their homes. From the crowd, a series of elves disguised as human children walk amongst the crowd, right? That is not normal they're not the same elf squad there's nothing left for them to do they're not doing they anything. you there. know why those elves are in the crowd no they are there to in case this the turns crowd. south they are going to exterminate every fucking human being in that vicinity they right. are there to murder those police officers if they level those rifles at santa yes no, no. They That's are, the only reason they're there. They are look, the amount of hit squad that has is dispatched when Santa gets arrested, rightfully, by the way. Which again, it's shocking that there were hundred percent right. He absolutely should have been arrested for stealing a child. He literally stole a child. It's not only that, like the phone call that Charlie made from the North Pole is the most like, all right, now say this. Now say this. Now this is, yeah. it's terrifying. It's like by the book, something a kidnapper would be like, tell your mom this so they don't worry about you. Well, if you if you pitch the movie as man who thinks he's Santa Claus kidnaps his son, which he is restrained by the law from seeing. You would assume that's a Blumhouse movie. That yes. is Dial Code Santa, right? That's what that is. It's like, oh, this guy thinks he's Santa from a broken family. He's going to go ham and kidnap that child. But this is played as a Disney expected us to watch that movie and our parents to watch that movie and go, man, I'm so glad he told the cops to suck his dick and escaped. And then not only that, not hours later, you get the sense that he's about to kidnap that kid Again. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's like, what? Totally. And everyone it's... was, when he's like, all right, we better go. Like, everyone's like, oh, God, the kid's going to leave again. And then finally, like, Santa Claus has a five seconds of like, all right, listen, I've already kidnapped you once. And if I do it again, they'll probably just throw me in the big house. So 
you stay here. And then Bernard shows up. I don't want to hit hey. general population. The elves will make a mountain of corpses. <laughs> it's what they said they would send Santa Claus to that prison that they find Bruce Wayne in in the beginning of Batman Begins. <laughs> he's like busting out of Arkham Asylum. Yeah, he's like sitting there. Goes, you're not. Squad. You're not a problem. You practice like that's that's Santa oh Claus. My God, dude. Like. It's yeah. truly terrifying. Then Bernard shows up and tells him, hey, by the way, I have this like looking glass that always lets you fuck with your dad and beckon him at your call. Day or yeah. night, he says. Terrifying. That little fucker keeps shaking it. Keep shaking I it. can't be greedy either. Liar. We just saw you be you greedy. You just shook fuck. it five minutes after you left, you little shit. You've <laughs> you learned nothing cut. from this experience. You're on the naughty <laughs> You're just watching Santa in action, holding the camera, as it you were. Little You're asshole. Grounded. <laughs> uh, I do have to bring up. I feel like we're missing so much because this is an insane movie. Um, one of the things that really also made me mad about the film is that Santa's uh, class warfare drove me insane. So here's the scene I'm thinking of in particular. So Santa goes to a nice big house, right? With a big roof. He goes down the chimney of this big fucking nice, what looks like a wealthy person's house. And he leaves them a canoe. Very expensive, large gift, right? There's another scene when he lands on a house and he's like, oh, these poor savages don't even have a chimney. Oh, yeah. It's... They have but an exhaust pipe. They have but a radiator. He down into a house. So this is the radiator girl's house, right? Right, right. So right away they're telling you this is a poor less than because they have a radiator. And not a chimney. The girl's sleeping on the couch because her parents have no respect uh, for her. They have no respect for, hey, don't look at Santa. He might bring. He might not bring you a gift. They're like, newsflash, you're not getting a gift. Dad's at the bar again <laughs> gambling away our Christmas money. Uh, Santa comes in, right? So the people before we saw get a fucking canoe. He comes into that house, gives her the shittiest doll ever, and berates her. Yeah. Like, tells her, like, I'm lactose intolerant. What the hell's the matter with you? What are you doing awake? Gets in her face. Gets in her face. Not only that, this girl's awake enough to see the, like, because when he goes down the exhaust pipe into the radiator space, (laughs) the radiator space erupts into this beautiful hearth with, like. It's like a Beetlejuice moment. Yeah, like, (laughs) with, like, tea tea cooking, like, tea in a kettle on top of a wood-burning stove. This beautiful hearth. He bitches at her, and then he goes back up the exhaust pipe, and it just shrinks back down to size. And I mean, like, that is the cruelest irony of all this poor little girl. That wall looks like one of the Whoville houses after the Grinch ransacked. Yes. And I was like, so he came down there, and he didn't give her the fucking canoe so she could sell it for school lunches for the year. He gave her a fucking raggedy and I'm like, that's a little on the nose. Are you fucking kidding me, Santa? You, You fucking classist? Bernard's fucking magical bag of dead children energy is just <laughs> slinging shitty toys to the poor. It's unbelievable because in this world, you have to imagine they're telling us that rich kids would not accept a Santa Claus if <laughs> right. he gave them less than gifts. It is. So Santa's magic knows that for this fucking ruse to continue, right? This zoo of fucking, you know, Denny's divorcees to continue. The bag must make the rich richer. Yes. It's fucking insane. It's insane. There are just so many small things in this movie that are truly terrifying, 
by and large within the within like just the cons the greater concept of commerce the law and just magic in general there's no like christmas magic in this movie it's all black dark hate hateful magic that but this is the thing this is again this is an earth-shattering revelation yes this changes everything this isn't like a christmas carol where you see a ghost no and you're like, did I imagine this that? Is un- this is this is unwitting yeah. signature. This is an unwitting signature. This is a person who is had no idea that they were signing away their life to be someone that they never wanted to be in the first place. Not only did they not want to, yeah. not only did Scott Calvin not want to be a parent, he clearly doesn't want to be Santa Claus either. But no. at some point, until he this- is foisted into this fucking blubber jail. There's a militant force that refuses to follow the law in the North Pole that has massive amounts of technology that has the favor of our children. You see that children of the corn moment where they're like, no, not Santa. Well, and again, they're drawn if, to him like moths to a flame. It follows. <laughs> well, it follows almost the identical plot of the fly because at some point Brundle gives in to the insect brain. And this is exactly what yeah. happens. But when Brundle starts to change, all that happens is gymnastics and fucking Gina Davis a little better. When this movie breaks, this is a Pied Piper you might not ever see your know. children saying, again. But there's movie. a point in there's a point in the fly where he says the insect brain is awake and I'm listening to it. This is exactly what yeah. happens with Scott Calvin. The Santa Claus brain <laughs> becomes awake and takes over. It infects him. This movie, he could destroy America. He could destroy the courts, the rule of law. He could just have children follow him anywhere. So we're to believe that Santa Claus is allowed to live in our population and children will gravitate to him, knowing exactly who he is and willingly sit on his lap. This is the stranger danger, get in my fucking van nightmare of every parent. Scott Calvin wields this ability. Somewhere inside as he tries to sexually harass women walking around the streets, that little Scott Calvin would be seeking his revenge, right? He's like, Bernard's going to have to kill me. I'm taking these children out. This is the implicate. It's, it's almost every scene becomes more staggering than the next. Yes. Where every scene, they just add a detail. We are like, look at this wild romp. This guy's having a rough day at the office. You're like, This man's body is morphing yes. and growing in front of him. He does not have the ability to choose what food he eats making him complicit in this. And he gains the weight not based on eating cookies, right? No. He gains the weight magically. Magically. What his body and his curse is doing is you will wa- you will have your coworkers and boss watch you eat like a pig at the trough <laughs> so that you can be shamed and broken in their yes. eyes. That's what it is. The curse is not to eat so he can gain mass. The, when he takes him outside after he, like, bitches about the um the the santa claus tank ad after he like downs like every last scrap of hot fudge out of this sunday he takes him out he's like look at yourself what's going on with you and that's when scott calvin comes back you know because for a while he's santa claus the santa claus brains in there and scott calvin comes back and literally goes i don't know i don't know what's wrong with me i don't know what's happening he literally can only grab on to the scott calvin persona for little moments after the full yeah. effect starts to come through. It's terrifying. Because he is being fucking publicly flogged. 
the giant obese body becomes the public stocks where we come to throw rotten fruit at him. Yes. He's being broken across the board. Uh, it is. It's one of those strange movies where I don't know how this was pitched as a children's movie, yet it worked, was massively successful, and people decided to do it two more times. It tells you a lot about the world that we inhabit, that people watch this and they're like, what a family feel-good movie. At the end of this movie, I think this is a good family that deserves happiness, and that kid doesn't need CPS. That's insane. So let's talk about our final piece of the puzzle. Um, Neil and this kid's mom fucking suck. They're the worst people ever. They fucking suck. Also, imagine this. Charlie goes to a school where he and... During Christmas time, he partakes in a little childish fantasy imagination, they think, and just says, my dad's Santa Claus, right? He read me a book. He maybe had a dream. His dad does sell toys, right? Yes. They hear all this, and instead of being like, that Charlie, what a scamp. Way to use your imagination. They call those parents in front of the principal and talk about how dangerous it is. For a child to believe in Santa. Neil, way to keep his feet on the ground. It's So this is the thing. They drop Charlie off, and he wants to get out of there immediately. He doesn't want to stay for a night. They come back the next morning. He's alive. He's unhurt. He has a gift. He has seemingly been fed and all this, right? Things are good. When they get him in the car, he just says, me and dad had a magical Christmas adventure at the North Pole. And she looks at him. Like she caught him with a stash of child pornography. She's like, oh, way to make him happy. Yeah. I wish you would keep failing him constantly and taking him to Denny. Yeah. She, like, I mean, that seems to be the core problem with their parents. I mean, that's like the thing is the mother and Neil particularly are just like hyper judgmental of how bad he is as a parent. You're like, okay, cool. That makes sense. We get it. he's a shitty parent. But as soon as things start going well, they continuously gouge him for and again this goes back to like what we were talking about scott calvin's life is ripped from him piece by piece and the last piece is charlie and as he's like slowly becoming santa claus they're pulling him back further and further until finally they also give these like horribly stark confessions where like they're the greediest child they were the greediest children ever and like yeah. because they got didn't get a single gift the, the mother's story of why she stopped believing in Santa Claus is the most <laughs> embarrassing thing I've ever heard. She literally tells this story. Yeah. All she wanted was the mystery date game. Like, cool, whatever. Mystery date. Got it. She then says, and I quote, there were oh, tons of presents under the tree, but no mystery date. Like, you are that upset that you didn't get a single gift out of, let's say, 20 that you would decide that you would give up the entire fallacy of Santa Claus altogether. And then to cap it all off, Neil didn't get a fucking whistle. And that oh, was it. A fucking weenie whistle. A weenie whistle. That are literally, no. you can find those <laughs> in a vending machine for 25 cents. You could fucking yeah. buy one. Well, watching his reaction, like watching them watch Scott Calvin descend into this torturous body transformation is actually my favorite stuff in the movie yes because one this poor lady i'm like fuck you just have tim allen and neil in your life like yeah you there's either have no better taste man in the world besides cosby wear cosby sweater wear neil yeah. and tim allen well like the thing i love too is they they have this great moment where they try to pretend that neil cares about the child right 
We've seen him be like, don't have childlike joy. Grow up. Hey, I'll even show you on a globe, a fancy yeah. decorative globe, how this doesn't work. He rubs a stocking and hangs it. And I'm like, oh, you didn't hang Charlie's stocking before Christmas yeah, Eve? what's wrong with Look you? Look at you, you go-getter of a parent. And then when he thinks that his uh, son, air quotes, has been kidnapped by a deranged father, they have no idea where he was. Uh, for all they know, Scott Calvin's murder-suiciding him. Right. He decides he needs to eat, right? Because, you know, they tell you, hey, you got to eat. I know it's tragic. He decides to make a fucking alfalfa sprouts pita. Yeah. As his son might be getting murder-suicided by his father who thinks he's Santa. Weird choice. What What do you need yeah, to eat? Yeah, it's just like, fuck this guy. That makes no sense. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Do you really need to <laughs> eat right now? When you look at it, there is a sub-layer, right, where Charlie is the one whose plan destroys Scott Calvin. Right. I think Neil was playing the game, too, to destroy Scott Calvin. Because you see how much he's pushing the... I think he should just not be able to see his son. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> that I is think, such a nuclear option. Well, this just works out for <laughs> Neil in general. I think that's a really important part of the puzzle here is that this works out for Neil gangbusters. He no longer has a man who's constantly belittling him in front of and then in behind his back to his uh, stepson. And then on Rightly top of so. and then on top of that, <laughs> he no longer is in competition with a clearly superior alpha male oddly enough uh for the who might because his like insecurities are so like just bleeding through throughout the entire movie yeah. he's worried that like his wife's gonna leave him she probably already cheated on him to be honest with you those sweaters are something else man but like <laughs> it's the one thing i agreed with scott calvin on is like yes making fun of this man's sweater selection is very accurate but it's honestly just it, it all works out like Neil, honestly, at the end of this movie is the only one who has like a good day within the span of a single within the span of a single Christmas Eve. He loses all competition to this woman he's trying to have sex with for the third time in their relationship. And he no longer has to be belittled. Uh, he no longer has to be belittled by not only by a child, but also by the child's uh, biological father, because now they <laughs> Because now the child's biological father is, I mean, by all estimation, dead and gone. And he's been subsumed ah. by this bloated. Uh, I disagree. By this bloated, blubbery fat man who now is yeah. solely responsible for children's joy in the world and nothing else. Okay, so you say that he is freed. He is foisted into his own Christmas prison. So who, Neil? Neil, Neil absolutely. Neil's life is over. Oh, no way. The, uh, the Vegas betting game we should do is if the sequel is Charlie murdering him or Neil murdering him. Because oh, no Neil's way. coming for that Santa job. Oh, no Here's way. Neil thing. does not want Neil that Santa job. Neil is a man who's not what he wishes he was, right? He's not good enough on any metric by his own standards, sure. right? All of a sudden, he takes this guy's wife. He thinks he's better. He's judgmental. He's a prick. Scott Calvin's always failing, right? Through the curse of a child, Scott Calvin is now a Santa slave, but he's won the affection, right? He doesn't realize that, you know, essentially he is Charlie's toy now, not his father. He is this fucking cursed item, right? What Neil would see is, oh, my God, my wife is giving him bedroom eyes. She would rather fuck the fat Santa. Because, to be fair, everyone would rather fuck the truly magical imbued Santa than their own husband, our wives included. Um... His his take on psychiatry has been absolutely ripped asunder. He has no idea what he's talking about, and he's terrible at his job. 
He was terrible to Charlie. Um, he's not going to make it as the stepdaddy for long. His ruse is over. She burned the custody papers. It's over. So for me, everything in his life is done and ripped to shreds. The only step for him now, if he tries to make this family work, is killing Santa Claus. Neil killing Scott and becoming the Santa is his only path to saving his own life. Uh, I don't know. I think so. Otherwise, he just disappears to, like, another part of the world. Yeah. And just finds an older... You know, truth be told, that's that's really what Neil should be doing. That's what Neil should be doing. Yeah, I mean, Neil's just going to move into like whatever part of the world is most religiously against Christmas (laughs) and become like a cult leader. Yeah, that's or kill Santa. Those are his two options. I think probably he would move to, let's see, the most against Christmas. I don't know, like somewhere tropical. Like, and that's that's his life. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I just I think Neil is. I think it's over for Neil. And I don't feel bad for him because, to be fair, he sucks. He was terrible. I'm trying to think of what else we haven't gotten to. I mean, again, it's hard because this is an absolutely baffling array. It's pretty terrifying. The logistics. I well, mean, here's again- another scene. Here's here's one more scene I'd like to walk you through and tell me what you think of this. There's a soccer game. Right. Scott shows up at the soccer game, fat, bearded, mm-hmm. dressing in uh, on-brand. On-brand, yes, red, and yep, absolutely. Here's a weird magic question this movie poses, right? So Scott Calvin's sitting there. Children leave the playground, line up to go sit on this strange, obese man's lap. Right. And talk to him. I would say Neil and the mom, this is one scene, they're fairly justified. They walk through the game in absolute awe. Like, look at the stakes. This has raised so much. Horror. Yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. They walk up and see this. They now are like, this is an existential threat to our existence and that of our son. Yes. They grab their son and leave as he's like, I'm in the middle of a game. They don't tell everyone, get your fucking kids away from Scott Calvin. This, that, that world, this movie is asking me to believe that this is like a snow globe of magic. That only these characters are in it and everyone else's playthings for this curse. I've been to those parks. You've been to those parks. We're mm-hmm. parents. If I turn around and saw my kids sitting on an obese man who looked like Scott Calvin's oh, lap, I would freak the fuck out. That guy had better be better at fighting than me because I am attacking him. <laughs> yes. Full force. 100%. Full force to save those children. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's okay. So that scene, right? Let's wrap this up. What is a scene like that? Because every scene is just layered with a detail that's baffling. What is this scene telling us about the nature of this magic? That is overrunning this family. I mean, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I I feel like if I was going to pin it on something, I'd say what that scene's telling me about all that is that not only is this magic all encompassing and overrunning this family with like fear and horror, but it is also an infection to like a almost like body snatchers like infection to other children who are being led astray, like you were saying, is very Pied Pipery in that regard. That scene particularly. So I feel like perhaps the magic, sorry, not the magic, that's incorrect wording. Perhaps the curse of the Santa Claus itself permeates from him as he's slowly devolving into Santa Claus. Yeah, 
I kind of sat with it for a while in my head because that scene was really bothering me. It's very that's an weird. absolute real world. These kids are in danger scene more so than the courtroom scene. Sure. Because the courtroom, you can laugh at setting legal precedent that it's illegal to help your kid have a happier Christmas and believe in Santa. Right. Because I do agree with Scott Calvin a lot. He's like, what are you talking about? He's just a kid with an imagination, right? But every system of authority is making that illegal. Fine. So that that plays is the obvious, like, that's craziness. Right. All right. I can see how someone would legally say Scott Calvin should not be around sure. a kid, let alone a plethora of kids. Totally reasonable. That's why that scene at the park is crazy. What it told me is that whoever created this bond, this dark magic, whoever formed this curse. Bernard. That's the first scene that you truly see. That while Santa is cursed by his being a horrible father, and he is destined to serve children, right? Uh, because he's such a failure, now he is a slave to the masses of children. What the curse has actually done, though, has infected our world in this weird snake eating its own tail, where the magic is to serve and get, bring kids joy, right? Right. But maybe only at the expense of putting stress on their families to break them so we know which ones of them can be next for the curse. <laughs> Right? This has become a worldwide phenomenon. This is a curse that is right in front of all of us, and we can't see it. Right. And the children who the magic is supposed to be serving also can become mind-washed hive creatures in service of this magic and curse. So who the fuck is this actually serving? There is one Dark Lord somewhere. Bernard. 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 And this is the fucking... Because he weaponizes whoever, however that magic was formed, right? It is using those children in a weaponized manner against Scott Calvin and against that family. Because what they have to do more than anything to create the Santa Claus is destroy everything that he cherishes in his life. His body, his mind, his reputation, his job. This is a homeless man going through a body transforming nightmare. Who children are just drawn to and for and he's forced to like listen to them, right? On a subconscious level, he's doing this magic, no one's winning in the magic of the Santa Claus. That's what that scene left me Except with. Except for right? Bernard. You, Bernard uses the magic of the Santa Claus, the the repet, the repetitious nature of the murder magic of the Santa Claus to keep him and the elves young. That is why they you, don't give a okay. shit when he shows back up. As just a guy, because they all know that they're about to get another sweet drink of the elixir of life, my friend. That is the Santa Claus right there. I mean, it's terrifying to actually I feel like this <laughs> of any podcast we've ever done. I feel like this is the one I almost wish we were just doing a live commentary. Me, too. But then I was like, I feel like that would be impossible because I feel like it'd be me every scene being like, wait, fucking pause. Yeah. What? No, <laughs> like, I think this is a really important thing to know. When we watch these kinds of movies, I can know, I know this one particularly, like occasionally I'll pause stuff and just like think on it for a second. This movie, I have, pa I paused this movie today and I watched this twice because I was just like, yeah. I got to make sure I have all these ducks in a row. I paused this movie at least 15 times going, hang on. We have yeah. to like sit here and like actually contemplate like the nature and the very, the very concept and the very conceit of Santa Claus is that of murderous magic. It's terrifying. It's a curse. It's horrifying. It's a horrible curse. Yeah. Well, it's like this movie jingle all the, there's like a bunch of these movies that seem to aim at, 
the whole concept of Christmas is silly and how hard it is to be a terrible shitty dad yeah. when you're it's, it's not a time that when hard your to buy to your kids presents but this is I don't that's why I say this movie's a Christmas miracle because one it's a fascinating bit of dark magic and horror right supplanted in I mean in the same way that Scott Calvin is fucking foisted into that fat prison we the audience are too we think we're watching a Christmas movie and when the fucking curtain is pulled, you're like, oh, my God, that's not at all what this movie is. No. It's pretty fucking outstanding that this happened at Disney and that people still to this day watch this every Christmas and think this is a feel-good story about a man becoming a better father. This was this was one of the three VHSs my grandmother bought and had at her house when we would, like, come over yeah. there. So I watched this movie a lot when I was a kid. And as, as I got older more and more things like started falling off by the wayside because I, I mean i'll admit the first time i was like oh that is like a fun movie that's an interesting thing that's cool yeah and you know when i got a little older i'm like eh, it's not as interesting and then like probably around my 20s i was like well that is kind of terrifying and now that i'm a father i'm like this is awful this is like this is it's like a parent's worst nightmare of a movie well imagine like the election nightmares that are happening right now and then imagine that Bernard could just be like, we got to go kill 3,000 people in Wisconsin. Yeah. Like, this movie has so many. There's so many implications. Like, long shot implications. I I don't know. I think, I think it's some of the best dark magic that I've seen in movies. By far. The fact that so many people willingly contributed to this fucking absolute nightmare tale. And it just worked. I think it's. I think it is truly one of the most fascinating Christmas films. It is one of the best. Um, it's one of the best horror movies I've ever watched. I think what I'm going to do is just start watching it every year with someone in my family and just watching them and being like, "Does this seem do right you to you?" Do you not see? Yeah. Do you do see? Do you not see? Do you see? <laughs> no, it is. It's like a, it's like Event Horizon. It's like opening. Yeah, the, it's like, like opening the portal. Do you see? Every time I turn on the Santa Claus, I'm like, this is home. <laughs> and I'll shrink back. It's, I don't know, man. I I hope that we gave you guys some fun stuff to play around with watching this movie. It's a, it's a wild one, man. I hope we got all of it. Uh, that's it, guys, for the Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, my it's God. Yeah. That's it for the Santa Claus. <laughs> Uh, please take a second, leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. Please buy your friends and family some Manscaped products using code FILM for 20% off uh, and free shipping. Let's you lets them know that we sent you. Helps the show. Helps your friends and family. Uh, a gift is never late. Remember that. They'll always be excited to Indeed. get it. Take care of yourselves. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. Follow us on all your social media so you can help us spread the word of the show. And email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Uh, and let us know if we missed anything in this fucking uh, Noel nightmare. So thank you, guys. We hope that you all have happy holiday seasons. Um, this has been a great year with you guys. We really appreciate Very it. Very much so. Our work's thank not you. done. We've still got three more listener submissions uh, next week. I am not a serial killer. The Beast, uh, a.k.a. The Beast of War, and The Poseidon Adventure on New Year's Eve. So... Uh, the great year is not done yet, but, man, we just hope you guys are having a great time. I know it's rough uh, this year. Uh, a lot of people aren't going to be with their loved ones. Um, but maybe turn on the Santa Claus and be like, it could be a lot fucking worse. It could be worse. a lot worse. You could get turned into Santa. 
<laughs> yeah, it could be horrendously worse. Uh, just imagine you're at that Denny's. <laughs> For the film alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. We love you all. Happy holidays. Don't, Bye. Don't be Santa. Bye.